CFRU 93.3 FM. Extra! Extra! Read all about it in The Ontarian! The Ontarian is the University of Guelph's independent student newspaper. Hot off the press... 
every Thursday. Get your free copy on campus and around Guelph or check us out online at www.theontarion.com. Not enough, Ontarian? Let's get social! Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Ontarian. Get on top of Guelph with The Ontarian. Your newspaper! No bumps on this ride, let it glide with Planet Groove and your funky blues doctor serving you up an audio buffet every Friday at 10 a.m. of blues, rock, funk, and more on CFRU 93.3 FM, baby. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Jane, Faces, Places, and Call Me By Your Name. The Bookshelf is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street. For more info about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today on Android's Dungeon, wait, who's that? It's JJB's hosting today. Uh, welcome to CFRU.ca on 93.3 FM. This is Android's Dungeon, a game, a show, <laughs> all about games and other things. Tonight, today we'll be talking about who knows. <laughs> Stay tuned. I do. I think it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> For the, your very first time. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Android's Dungeon. My name is Joel. And I'm Jack. Uh, today <laughs> we're going to be talking about the same thing we always talk about. <laughs> scythe. So. <laughs> we're going to talk about Scythe. And yeah. So how many Scythes have you played this week? I played none. I played zero Scythe. In fact, I haven't played Scythe in probably about two weeks, three weeks now. So the junkie in me is probably... <laughs> it's got, I got the Jimmy leg and the. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a flying airship in a game? It's uh, there's this uh, fantasy flight game called Sky Traders, I think, and it's always caught my eye mostly because it's an FFG game and the components are always really nice and it's not supposed to be that offensive a game in general, but it it's been oddly discounted. You'd see it on sale for like fourteen dollars or nine dollars at times, and it's almost like. Just if you want to reduce it to its components, you want to like uh, pull a Minecraft or something and just destroy it and rebuild something I else. I see what you're saying. So take the parts out, use yeah. them in other games. Well, that's what you, you remember that game that was floating around. You could see it on shelves everywhere. Five oh four. It was uh, it was this box and, it was, and its whole thing was that it just it's a bunch of almost random components, but it comes with five hundred and four games all in <sighs> one. So remember those um, when you're growing up and. Uh, oh, I yeah. didn't have a Game Boy. <laughs> you had those, all those little things. It was just like, oh, a thousand games in one. It's just like, <laughs> how are there 500 versions of Caterpillar or Snake or whatever <laughs> yeah. the game's called? So. Oh, it was the same with like outdoor games. You know, you'd get your 10 in 1 volleyball, badminton, and whatever other game they could it, come it's up it's with. It's a net. Make a list of 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's a net and some balls. <laughs> it's really a birdie. <laughs> a shuttlecock? Shuttlecock. 
So the, that's uh, that's the last time I thought of a flying airship. But then again, it's not a theme that gets plumbed very often. Okay, you've played the Winds of whatever. Winds of Fury. Winds of uh, Winds of Scythe. The Wind Gambit, expansion. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we we both played it once. Have you played it twice? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So we yeah we talked about this a little bit and we were I was very meh on the entire thing. It, it's very pretty. And, no, but the second time those airships got pretty cool. Yeah. We got uh we got to pick up workers, which is obviously way better than the alternative, which I think is carry goods. Uh which I don't know why you would ever want to move your goods unless they were in danger. Yeah, it it just the the the, the whole airship thing feels to me superfluous and I'm the last person I should be talking about that because I love expansions but and wait, I love there's adding more. things. Yeah. The airship counted as a worker in any space you produce. See, that's in. that's fine. That's good. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But if you think about it, it's like you're you're paying thirty dollars or thirty five dollars. How much is it? Is about that? Yeah. For these really cool looking airships, these nice little resin uh, crafted ships, that all they fit in nicely. They have all the same colors and all this stuff. Little slots on them, adorable on the top. Um, but ultimately, it, it's what are they doing to really alter the game? Like moving workers around. Well, you're, you've already you've ruined one of the race's special abilities at that point to like cross <laughs> the river. That's like the whole reason or their whole special ability. Uh, it's kind of neat to bump guys across with a riverwalk, but you've almost knocked the legs out of the game because the whole point is you need to upgrade your mech to get riverwalk to carry guys across, or you have to yeah. be sneaky with these sorts of things. So I, I, I admit it, it modifies the game, but it's up to you, and you don't have to play with it. So no one's forcing you to play with it either. So. Yeah. And with that said, I, I hate Nordic already. It's already <laughs> the most useless ability because you have to spend a movement every time you want to move a worker. Yeah. But, uh, hey, you can actually get to a village at the start of the game, so that's true, true. useful. Oh, well, what else have you been playing lately? So I got to, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this one. I got to learn it last night, and this is something that's been in my basket uh, at, uh, I'll call them friends of the show to Jack, at least, uh, at Board Game Bliss, a game called El, The Road to El Dorado, or Quest for El Dorado. And it's uh, by our good friend, Dr. Rainier Canizia, who, if you look at him, he's the, um, he's the Christopher Lee <laughs> of, of <laughs> game design, because if he, you look through and he's made a million games, and... Uh, some of them are some of the greatest games ever made. Some of them are just like, oh, okay, it's a game. Um, but this one is, it, it marries together. So, Joel, if I say uh, I want a deck builder, what am I looking for in my deck building? Uh, you, you mean components? Well, what if, I want, if I'm going to say I like a deck builder, what is it that really yanks me in? Because I don't like normal deck builders. What DC is it? characters. Oh, <laughs> I'm being trolled. It's, I love a board state. I oh, love yeah, yeah. I love ha- having an actual board game to go with my deck builder, and what uh, Quest for El Dorado does is that so you have your deck building. You start off with stuff like you have um, you have four travelers, which are basically your your golds or your silvers in these games, or your coppers, whatever you want to describe it. And then you have uh, three explorers, which are good for moving through green spaces, um, and you have one sailor. And what you can do in this game is you've got these gorgeous hexes, these giant hex boards that are green, yellow, blue, um, gray, red, and black. And basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to build cards in your hand in normal deck deck builder style. And when you use cards, you have to make a choice whether to move with them or use them to buy stuff. And the trick is you can only move if you're using the same colored card as corresponding to the hex you're going into. So if I want to go through green hexes, those are jungle spaces, so I need to use green cards. And they have varying strength, too. To get a green card? You have to get a green card. That's uh, very good to get through. (laughs) 
<laughs> so anyway, and you look through these hexes, and as you go through, they've got different symbols on them. So you may only need one machete symbol to get through this green hex, but you might need two or three to get through these ones. So you need stronger cards to get through them, or you have to do less optimal routes to get by. And you go through these decks, and off the, out of the gate, you only have six piles avail to, available to you, but there are 12 hidden behind. And as soon as one of the decks of three are gone, you can choose to buy any of the ones from the top, and then that replaces that empty slot down there. So it's not like you have this giant pool available to you, Dominion style. Um, you have you can see everything, and you can kind of control it to an extent, but um, you're you're not gonna be able to just jump right in and like save up all your money and just buy one of the best cards right away. It's not gonna work like that. Mm -hmm. So I love how you can you're choosing to move your explorers or buy things and there's some tough choices that way and then there's these uh, you're actually racing with the person next to you to get to El Dorado so if you sit there just trying to build your deck awesomely the entire time the other person's probably been moving the whole time and then unless you have some crazy catch up uh, you're in trouble do you think in deck builders the best uh, format or your favorite format mm -hmm. is the uh, market row similar to I think of five tribes or Concordia Sort of a market row. Yeah. Uh, can be, you know, you could put the, the newest ones as more expensive if you want, but you yeah, don't yeah. have to. Because you've got two extremes, right? You've got viticulture on one side where everything's blind and you're just taking cards blindly. And you've got the opposite, which you already mentioned, which is Dominion, which is yeah. everything is available. You know what you can buy. And I guess original Machi Koro as well. Yeah. I'd say Dominion is the the right way to do it in the sense that there's no there's no randomness to... Your, what you're buying. You can all, if you can afford it with Dominion, you can buy it, and that's on you. The, the randomness is in your shuffling, and you're reducing the odds or increasing the odds of getting certain things. Um, and I think this is, it's a family, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun game, so you don't have to math out things too hard. So it, it does, it kind of turns things on the head because, while, like you're saying, you, it's a mix between you can see everything and get everything, but you can't. You just know it's there, so you can try to burn through a pile and maybe your opponent is doing something else, and then you can replace the pile. Hmm. But that's where the trick comes, because if on your turn you empty the pile with the purpose of getting those things, but your opponent buys something else, then, all right, great, now I'm stuck with these cards down mm -hmm. here. It's so, very much a Jaipur function. Sort of, sort of. So it, to me, it's just, it, it's a, it, we played it twice. Uh, the first time, the rules are super simple to learn, very basic, especially if you know anything about board games or deck building, you're going to pick it up like that. And the first time we played, it came down to a nail-biter where... Um, Kayla was ahead of me and she was basically a step away from El Dorado and then I just drew the perfect combination of cards to just cut, swath my, cut swaths of jungle away on my way to El Dorado oh. and then she because the way it works is everyone once you get there that triggers the end of the game and everyone has one turn to get in and then tiebreakers are whoever went through these whatever little barricades which cost an extra movement point of some sort and then she could have tied with me at that point, but uh, she just stalled out. She didn't draw any cards for movement mm. that she needed, and that was the end for her. The second game was a beatdown. It was stop, stop, she's already dead type deal because <laughs> when you play two-player, you're supposed to use two uh, explorers to get them to the end. So now you're managing two different people, which normally would bug me, but it works out nicely because you're splitting up movements between them and you're trying to ration your stuff better. Yeah. And you can block other people with a guy, too. Because if you see, well, she hasn't bought many of uh, the uh, the money people who are necessary to get through the villages. I'm just going to park my guy in the in front of this spot, which makes it very difficult for her to get by without buying some better cards to go through here. But Now, if you out there don't know Jack, 
Jack is a he has no tolerance for waiting around for more people to show up before playing a game. So he very much him and Caleb very much love a good two-player game or a game that runs well with two players. So you would you say this is a good two-player? Absolutely, match? absolutely. Nice. And do you think? Because I'm thinking about this color theme, especially you need a it's color to get to a certain thing. Yeah. Do you think if there was a higher player count, there would be a lot more challenging if somebody else decided to go for the same color as you? It depends. It, I think it's your. It could be challenging if you, like some games, don't reward you for trying to do what your opponent's doing. And this is one of them, because if somebody looks like they're going heavy on the, let's say they, they are clearly building a strategy of cutting through jungle space as quickly as possible. So they're going to invest heavily in these green cards, <laughs> and then they're going to try to maybe not as focus as much or like skimp out on ways to get to those green cards. So you can see that and say, all right, well, there's no point in me going after these because they're just going to gobble them all up, and they've already gotten some of the best ones. But there's enough card selection there that you can do whatever you want, and there are even one-off cards that you can burn, uh, like uh, Exile if you magic it, and you get a super movement out of them or do something special with them too. So yeah, there's, just, there's just something for everyone, and I was really, really impressed with the components. Like the game even advertised that there's... How many boards are there? There's like eight boards, and they're both double-sided, and they're all different, so you can mix them all up and in do whatever you want. In the base game? In the base game. They could have sold that. It's crazy. That's DLC. They could have. They could have, and it'd be nice. And the card, there's tons of uh, the cards to buy, and the price, I think I picked it up for sub-$30 Canadian. It for is, eight boards? It, it was it's better than Las Vegas with oh just dice. <laughs> but Las Vegas is oddly expensive for what you're getting at times, yeah. but uh, it, folks, Joel hasn't played it yet, but... Uh, Believe me, this is a. If you're well, looking you for something, it. I'm going to give it on my one play, two plays, I guess. Last night, I'm going to give it a uh, seven and a half uh, golden statues that Indiana Jones is reaching for and trying to figure out how heavy they are out of out of ten. El Dorado, check it out. Quest for El Dorado by Rainier Kanitza. Look it up. Sounds good. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Um, I have a confession to make. Okay. Last night, I got invited to go eat pho. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, nah, I'm just going to finish up shoveling the snow in the driveway. <laughs> Can I ask how good, of a, how good of a shovel was it? I did a primo job, but obviously I woke up again this morning and it was all yeah. covered again. So I Well, you made your life easier for yourself. did. Yeah. yeah much easier. Uh, but once I finished up, they were, they were all out. And I came back inside and I looked at my board game shelf and I thought, I really want to play another escape room. Oh, no. So oh I, no! I played one <laughs> solo. No! <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that don't play, know, play sad music, Joel. This is just one of the saddest things I've ever heard on the show. Uh, the exit escape room <laughs> it's an assault. Um, is a fairly expensive um, because you only get to play it once. So you're basically paying fifteen dollars for a one-time experience with your friends, where you can have up to four players. But it does say on the box one to four players. All right? so <laughs> Did it come I with like a hungry man to dinner? Some, and... <laughs> <laughs> some, fr- some hot dogs thawing in the sink. Yeah. So so whatever. I took the I took the took the hit, and there's one of six games that I can't play with other people. But I had a fantastic time. Well, like, oh, hold on. Before you go any further, let's let's put it out there too that we played an escape room for the first time as well. These are the escape rooms in the box that Joel picked up. Uh, he went hog wild over the holidays and was really uh, a generous Santa Clausy fellow and handed out these 
escape rooms to a bunch of people, and we have one of them sitting un- unplayed right now. Now, and if you two wanted, you could. It'd be fine. You guys play it. It's play not the, the same. Two of not you. the same. It's, it's more fun. fun with four people. And uh, well, <laughs> I didn't mean to rub it in there, Joel. <laughs> no. Uh, but we played one. Um, was it this weekend? Yep. Yeah. Saturday, I think. Saturday. Jeez, <laughs> time flies. Yep. Uh, but anyway, um, was it this week? Friday night. Friday night. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Ribs. Ribs. Mm-hmm. That's right. Delicious ribs. N- not so sure about the potatoes, though. <laughs> can't, yeah, can't, can't give too it much to skin. You. Too much skin. <laughs> um, but we had we had a ball. We had a lot of fun with it, and we finished. I think only 10, 20 minutes overdue if you're yeah. going by the hour. But that's all I want to say. We'll we'll come back to it after you describe your solo experience. Yeah. So well, I mean, the game is a timed game. You basically it's a time challenge, and also seeing how few help cards you can get. But if any of you have out there have been to an escape room, these boxes they won the Kennerspiel DR, and that's I think what really got our attention first was this sort of you'd say a cheap American looking from the cover game winning a Kennerspiel in Germany. It is published by Cosmos though, which is yeah. The which respect to them? I mean, Lost Cities is a legendary game. Another Rainier Kinitsa. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, now people are thinking, okay, you're spending $750 in a game, but maybe you get to play it forever. It's ridiculous, but we'll let you have it. But now you're paying $20 to play a game a single one time? Who wants that? Well, I'll tell you who I do. <laughs> so um, basically the game involves cutting up and tearing up cards and paper uh, and your guidebook or whatever it is, just like any other legacy game, except this particular legacy game only has one run. Uh, The game focuses on a series of puzzles, usually trying to unlock certain locks by solving riddles. And they all have particular themes. So, so far we've done a Lost Cabin, which was fantastic. Jack and I did uh, Where Were We? The was, North. Yeah, it was stuck in a polar, sca- polar, a polar station. station. And I did uh, Lost on a Tropical Island. Oh, neat. Which was fantastic. So instead of numbers, I just had all these little symbols. And early on in the game, after you solve one of them, it'll tell you symbol equals number. Mm-hmm. So it's just one extra thing. When you figure out what the number is to unlock something, you have to go back to your single symbol key and put in the symbols on the So for people who are trying to visualize this, I think all of them so far you've played have this like decoder ring type mm-hmm. thing going yep. on. So you have these uh, c- paper circles on top of circles, uh, smaller concentric circles, I guess. And then as you go through and you solve these these puzzles, you're going to win numbers and or symbols in this case, I guess. As you line them up, uh, eventually you're going to get to the point where one of your uh, little little windows on your uh, wheel will point to a number and then you draw to a deck through a deck of cards unless this it's different for was oh, it yep and then you pull out that number of card and there's going to be a picture of all the puzzles that you're supposed to solve it's going to say okay well which puzzle were you trying to solve with this number and when you punch in number i don't know 22 it laughs at you and says this was a dumb choice that wasn't the answer yeah. and then who you put thought it back, of that who thought of that so yeah. the way, and then it if you're right you yeah, it does kind of take a small dig at you. It's a very German way. <laughs> very wrong. I've <laughs> <laughs> so, never seen someone so wrong. <laughs> so there's the yeah. So then you have you go through, and if you're right, then it, it tells you to open up or uh, go through cards, uh, or even go into the 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 box again and pull out uh, 
like a special uh, item that you hadn't opened up yet either. So it was. It feels very organic, and it is ex- is as exciting, I would say, as going to the actual escape room when you solve a puzzle because you're 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 you've worked at it. And I think that's yeah. the difference: is that you actually have to think, unless yeah. you're lazy. And so for me, solo, I can think, but it takes me a while. <laughs> so. I ran probably around two and a half hours. Oh, you went playing about two and a half hours. <laughs> but I I didn't take any hints. I took two really? level one hints. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like at a certain point when you're frustrated with a puzzle, you yeah. just want some confirmation that you shouldn't be able to solve it yet. Yeah. Which is always a great thing. Always the level one clue will tell you you need X clues. Yeah. In order to solve this, and so I'll flip it over and I'll say, oh. I'm short by three clues. Okay, yeah, I'll yeah. put this away for a while. No, and that's fair too, because yeah. sometimes you don't want to be banging your. It's it's just like anything else, like uh, like let's say a computer adventure game or something like that. It's you don't want to be banging your head against a wall trying to solve a puzzle when you haven't when you're like, oh, I don't even have the items necessary to solve this puzzle. So yeah. I guess I'll come back later. So we'll give a quick intro to that. Basically, what you're what we're talking about is every puzzle that you need to solve has three clues, and the first clue will just give you some basic information. The second clue will give you a very strong hint that you should be able to solve with, usually, uh, <laughs> except for there were some pretty tough ones in the, in the game with Jack. Uh, and then the third one is just the answer. So if you're really stumped, it'll it'll solve it for <clears> you. <throat> which is, it would, like, that's if you're just, for me, if you're banging your head against the wall and you're not having fun anymore and you don't care, it's like, okay, I feel like we've solved this puzzle as much as it's going to get solved, or we've come by the solution and it didn't click and we're just retracing our ground. So rather than just keep scoring around, just, nope, there's the answer. I don't think it's cheating if you've actually tried at it. or If you spend two and a half hours without doing it, I think you've yeah. worked out. And and the thing is, I really, it took me like, some of them took me like 20 minutes to start figuring, oh, this is how I solve it. And then you've got to actually solve it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was very time consuming, but it just blew by and I had a wonderful time. I don't, no regrets. No regrets. I regret nothing. <laughs> I put it in the recycling. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> See, we recycled, folks. It's fine. The the exit rooms. So, it's, and how many are there? Are there? There's six now. So six. there are like three. Those won the awards. They just came out with three more. Oh, okay. And this, uh, for the record, too, the polar uh, one that we did on the weekend. I noticed when we were opening it up, it was designed by Ingus and uh, Ingus and Marcus Brand. I think that's their last name. And um, those are the designers who did work on uh, the board game Village, which is uh, a fairly popular and uh, good game too. Well renowned. Yeah, renowned game. Like there's uh, as far as um, notoriety goes, I think Village is up there. And uh, I remember at the boardroom one time, Mark saying he just played it and he loved it too. So yeah. uh, it's a good game. And the fact that you have like actual designers of board games, kind of, but it's it, to me it'd be very difficult to design around because it's like you're 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 taking it requires a lot of creativity. And you have to really kind of play around with the resources the player has and it, it, the graphic design of these cards and the book. And even though the story is like, I don't know, so-so, it, 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 you got to have something there, too, pulling the players along. Yep. And I think uh, maybe in their least three, it seems like almost they're, they're sort of pulling the strings a bit, running out of ideas. But uh, still some excellent riddles, like just things where, like, once you get it, it's like, oh. Yes, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, there was one. Uh, I don't know. Will you play the island one? Uh, Better not risk it. I don't don't risk it. There was yeah. something in it that I really, really liked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a good uh, – I think in the exit series, I think, are the ones that people are saying are 
the better ones because there are the unlock series too. So there's the rival company. Yeah, and there is a exit escape room game called Escape Room, and all I've ever seen is it sitting on shelves everywhere, yeah. never being purchased or played. So I probably wouldn't recommend that one. <laughs> yeah, just based on the how much stock it moves. <laughs> yeah, but uh, take these with a grain of salt. Like maybe. Maybe don't buy it yourself unless you don't mind. Maybe like the the exit rooms. I think we can both endorse at this point. Yeah. But the uh, we haven't tried the unlock ones, and I've heard mixed things about the unlock ones where people were kind of irritated with some of the clues. And yeah. I think the unlocks can be redone though if you want. But here's the thing: you go to your Meeple Mart or your Four uh, One Games, twelve dollars for entertainment for four people for a whole night. Yeah, come on, it's worth it. Well, Give an hour try. of their night, I guess. Give it a try. <laughs> Get out there and buy it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good way to put it, too. Like, what are you paying for a movie ticket for yep. one person? Exactly. Even if it's two hours or whatever. Escape room. I think it's like 12 13 15 bucks each. Try it. So try. I think that uh, as long as you have a good group, too. Don't try to shoehorn this into people when it's like everyone's having a good time at your party. It's like, all right, guys, who wants to go to an escape room? <laughs> you just, much like other things, you will regret it. Yeah, and you could definitely play it without gamers, too. There's yeah, no, there's yeah, no yeah. instructions involved. No, no, no. It's solve this riddle. Here's the clues. I'd say the, the only thing is just like fig- making sure you understand how to go through the cards, set up the clues, and yeah. that's that. But really, that's you it. only need one person to know yeah. that. Um, I would give it uh, five good exit games out of six. Oh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I, en- I enjoyed the uh, the polar one. I would give that a, a solid uh, a solid B. I was happy nice. with that. Well, I c- I'm looking forward to uh, the rest of them. Yeah, and we have the Pharaoh one to uh, try. I guess mm, trapped in yep. Egypt of some sort. All right, well, with that, I think we're going to take a quick break. Uh, musical interlude, and since I'm in charge, we're listening to Tom Waits. I can't get the mouse to move. <laughs> you just got to click it and it'll come back. Woo! All right. Tom Waits. <laughs> just... Diamonds on my windshield. Tears from heaven. Pulling into town on the interstate. Pulling a steel train in the rain. The wind bites my cheek through the wind. Fast flying, freeway driving always makes me sing. Dusty trying to change my tune, pulling up fast on a road, rolling restlessly, 24 hour moon. Wisconsin, I could with a cue ball here, wishing he's home in a Wisconsin bed. Fifteen feet of snow in the east, colder than a world digger's ass. An ocean side, it ends a ride, Sacramento coming up. Sunday, Desperado slip by, check station closed, and you cruise by with a driver. Orange driving, neon building, theaters filling to the brim. Slave girls in Hotspur, bucket full of sin. Metropolitan area, interchanging connections, fly by nights from Riverside, black and white place, out of state, running a little late. Say 
sailor's jacket for the fast lane. Wanna wonder, miss it? Rolling hills and concrete fields, broken line on your mind. The eights go east and the fives go north and the merging exits back and forth. See a sign, you cross the line, signal with a blink. Radio's gone off the air and it gives you time to think. Ease it out and you creep across intersection lights for Hear the rumble as you fumble for a cigarette Blazing through the neon jungle Remember someone that you met One more block the engine talks and whispers home at last Whispers 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 Home at last, home at last. And that was Tom Waits with Diamonds on My Windshield from the Early Years Volume 2. Once again, you are joined by Joel and Jack in the studio. Android's Dungeon, show all about games and other things. Your host tonight is joel believe it or not uh jack how does it feel to be in the guest seat um i don't like it <laughs> it's off in the corner no power I, I i see errors and and mistakes and just everything around me going wrong and i feel helpless joel just it's, it's a terrible feeling can't be right i don't make any mistakes <laughs> that's it's fake news joel's flawless yeah so we were just chatting a bit and we'll just bring it back into that uh we were talking about uh, new games, and we always talk about Scythe on this show, mm-hmm. and we already talked about Scythe. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the other sh- uh, the other game that we've been bringing in lately, and uh, sort of maybe it can be a weekly contender uh, for our time, and that's Gloomhaven. Yeah, so we talk about Gloomhaven a lot, or we have been, and the reason we're bringing it up so much is because we have so much fun with it, and... A little indication on the show is that in case you haven't figured out, the reason we talk about a game is because it's intrigued us, whether it's, and most of the time it's for good reasons. I don't think it's often we dwell on something that's not good, um, but something like Gloomhaven, for example, has really grabbed us because it's it's this persistently good experience where you want to play it again and you want to get, like, set up meetups and you want to do things with other people to play this game and you have people actually wanting to play it with you, too. And that's a, a big change from. That's not to say people don't ever say, "Oh, uh, oh let's play, <laughs> let's play <laughs> Viticulture, let's play Scythe." Like just going back to these Stone Mirror games. Um, but there's some about Gloomhaven that's really just grab people's uh, attention, and I think it's just the style of the game in general. Now you you consider Caverno a pretty good game, right? Yes, but you're not sitting at work craving a game of Caverno lately, are you? No, and the problem is. Caverna, I think, is, I don't want to say obsolete, but it's its a good game on its own. But it's just, if I had a choice between playing Caverna or uh, something else, it's probably going to be something else. And if it, I'm craving something like Caverna, I'm going to go to Feast for Odin almost certainly, um, now, even though they play differently. For sure. I've, I've heard people say that Feast for Odin makes Caverna and Agricola obsolete. What do you think about that? I, I would disagree. Even though I just said obsolete, I don't mean that that Feast of Roden has ob- has obsoleted. Is can you make that into a verb? 
Yeah. Anyway, has has gotten rid of Caverna. I, if anything, I think Caverna made Agricola obsolete, as far as I'm concerned, because I would never play Agricola if I had the choice between that and Caverna, because Caverna for me is the game I started with and that I know better and I have more fun with, whereas Agricola is like falling down into the basement <laughs> and I'm groping around blindly as as bats are chewing at me. It's very difficult. And I'm not good at it. Super hard game. And I just don't care to get better at it either. That's the difference. Whereas Caverna get no, I'm not getting good at Caverna. But I feel like you have the the opposite view when you come because we're talking about games being basically replaced by newer games. Yeah. But when it comes to video games, mm-hmm. you seem to have the opposite approach. Well, it depends. The problem is that... Well, hold on. I'm going to let you go on. What do you think? Or what do you mean? Well, for example, Demon's Souls. Yeah. You love it. Yeah. Dark Souls 3. Yeah, it's fine. Good game. You, actually, you do really like the um, Bloodborne game, right? Yeah, Bloodborne's great. Because it's more or less a sequel to Demon's Souls. But uh, but often you talk about an older game and say... They, tr- they tried Prey, maybe, and they come in with these newer ones. Mm-hmm. You're not happy. Well, it's because, I th- and it, that's what I thought you were going to say, is that with I don't know what's wrong with people in video games today. But what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Get off your asses and... Scum! Scum! Look at, look at how good old games are. There's a reason why people keep playing some of these older games. And there's a reason why, going back to board games, things like Advanced Civ are still legendary games. That's not to say Advanced Civ is... Um, like, you, you can compare Advanced Civ necessarily to... Uh, something like um, Fantasy Flights, uh, Civ New Dawn, which I haven't played yet, but it's supposed to be quite good, or uh, Through the Ages, the the Vlada game. They're, they're similar themes, but they're different games. The mechanics are so, so different. But if you look at video games, how many first-person shooters are there? It's, it's primarily the same ideas. You're go- running down a hallway, um, whether it's a linear hallway, like something um, in a Call of Duty series, more or less, where you're just kind of going proceeding straight line, shoot enemies, enemies go down, you go to objective? Or is it something more slightly open-ended like a Far Cry game of some sort? Bottom line is that you have, the mechanics are identical. You, you gun on screen, shoot enemy, don't get shot by enemy, move on. The creativity comes from people making good stories and neat environments and worlds that are actually fun for a player to interact in. And that's where I find these these older games were doing things that somehow... The, through focus testing and overproducing and appealing to lowest common denominator that you don't see anymore in some of these games. And I understand that they're, it, it's, they're clunkier. They're slightly more intense as far as mechanics go. Like, not everyone wants to fiddle around with inventories, like in System Shock 2. <gasps> what was that, Batman? <laughs> it was the sound of uh, only the finest computer hardware and software known to man. <laughs> Disaster strikes. <laughs> Disaster striking. Suddenly, Batman and Robin find themselves transported to a day later. <laughs> <laughs> some some abrupt uh, cut in. Uh, we sound a day older, approximately. Yeah, I'd say it's about twenty four hours. I wonder what our voice is. You know, I think I sound better. I feel. Uh, I think I was degraded. Some, something was wrong. I, maybe I was tired. Well, I'm always tired, but it was maybe more tired than normal for that part. How was your day, Jack? Uh, it's fine. So. In, it was uh, it was easier than yesterday, maybe. That's the, that's the trick. Yeah. Did you play any games since... No, not no. one. 
What, what have you been playing lately? Life. The game of life. The game that it we're stinks. all... Just generally, I can't wait for the reprint. <laughs> I'm going to hold off on the second edition, see if they fix the component and production issues. And <laughs> So before we left off, we were talking about uh, how basically old video games, um, new video games have to hold up to the standard of uh, older video games that came before, and sort of you're saying how graphics has kind of reached a plateau and the, now it's more about gameplay. The line that I think we walked away from that I think we both liked was that um, what video games should be doing is they should be taking the stuff that worked from the old ones and improving upon it and figuring out what people liked and just making things better and better based on that formula. Um, and that's what board games have to do because you can't just take stuff like Monopoly and put it as is and say, oh, guys, Monopoly did really well. Remember that? So let's just do Monopoly again. Do you think you can hide behind looks? Um, board games sort of can, I think. And that's what, that's what we were coming all the way around, is that so video games have been getting away with games that look great and maybe play reasonably nicely. Like the, cert, like the average bear won't notice the fact that they're not good games. Yep. Whereas I think we're seeing that transition to board games in which they can be shinier. The, the chrome on them gets shinier okay. and better every year, every month, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, but the gameplay, I think you're starting to see people realizing that um, a board game especially, you can't hide behind <laughs> stuff <laughs> as nicely as you can in a, in a video game. For sure. So if you know, it feels like we need to introduce the concept again. I know that we've been talking about it on this track since the day we're one day later. We're, we're talking about in the second half of the show the cult of the new. Yep. And uh, the reason why we're bringing it up is because Gloomhaven has all of a sudden stolen the number one sh- uh, slot on BoardGameGeek.com. And we're here to talk about uh, the top ten list, Board Game Geek, and why it's so important. And then also why, when I take a look right here, I'm just going to browse through real quick. We'll go through and I'll, I'll list them off. Gloomhaven, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, Through the Ages, Twilight Struggle, Terraforming Mars, T- Star Wars Rebellion... Terra Mystica, Scythe, Seven Wonders Duel, Great Western Trail, the Castles of Burgundy. That's the top ten. Can you guess how many of those are more than two years old? Um, 90%. I'm, I'm trying to think. Twilight Struggle has been out for a while. Uh, Through the Ages has been out for a while. Oh, even though that's the newer version, but even that's been out for more than two years. And Castle Burgundy is ancient. So. Well, if, if you set... Did I say Castle Burgundy? I thought you said it was in the Oh, time. yeah. No, sorry. That's 11th. We'll oh. cut that one out. And then it's only two. Okay. So if you if you start at 2015, yeah. um, every game mm-hmm. that's in the top ten is 2015 or newer. And look, there's and I want to be very clear about this too. There's no reason why something that came out, let's say a game came out today, that it shouldn't be number one. All I'm saying is it's a it's a little it's like a movie that comes out and all of a sudden everyone proclaims it to be the greatest movie ever made. It's like, hold on, friends. <laughs> Time has not yet <laughs> been... We haven't looked at this yet. We haven't been able to really judge this. It's it's too shiny right now. Let's wait. Let's watch it a few times. Let's dissect it. And as far as games go, a game can play incredibly the first time. Uh, more like more often, I find it plays okay the first time. And it's re- with repeated playthroughs that it really starts to shine. Um, I find usually the stuff that usually knocks you down on the first play... That's when you start to get, at least, I can't pull up any specific experiences, but 
um, off the top of my head at least. But that's I get worried when it plays too good at right away. I feel like the same, it's the same kind of way with music for me. If if I really enjoy a track the first time, usually mm-hmm. it it's kind of it comes and goes. Uh-huh. It's the songs that you have to hear a couple times yeah. that kind of grow on you that have lasting power. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know if uh, music. I, it's tough to say. For me, it's more of an album thing, like yeah. with an artist where it's like um, my favorite musician of all time, Nick Cave, absolutely the best. Nick Cave. Nick, he's Nicky huge boy. in Europe. He's, his posters were everywhere. Yeah, well, well, he's kind of like the, the most famous uh, non-famous musician probably. I, I don't know what this, if that was makes sense. He was in Ljubljana in, in uh, Slovenia, very, and yeah. phew, he was everywhere. He did an incredible show that you can watch the YouTube video of uh, a show he did in Ljubljana that's great. Perfect vintage era, like right before. Anyway, the bottom line is I love him. <laughs> and, but the thing is, when I was starting getting into him, there were a couple of albums that I'd listened to, and I'd say, uh, I'm not as... There's some that I was more attracted to, and there's some that I was less attracted to. And then as time has gone on, I've become more attracted to the ones I didn't like originally, and less attracted to the ones I did like. Now, whether you could argue that's just because I've over-listened to some of them, or, or what, but I think it's... You could argue that maybe when you start to focus on some of these other ones, you start to really notice the gems there, and you start to... And the newer ones are the ones that are easily accessible. You start to notice their flaws more as time goes on. But music, movies, whatever, books. You could go. You could probably say it the same for everything, to be honest. Yep, true. Um, do you agree with the top ten list? Let's just let's just take a quick look. I mean, Gloomhaven. Well, hold on, I got I need to be more specific. Or I need you to be more specific. Do I agree with the fact that Board Game Geek has rated these, or do you think if somebody said, Jack, are these how top ten work? games can, of all time? Can you tell me how the Board Game Geek rating works? No, <laughs> not a clue. <laughs> not a clue. Uh, I think it's just because... Chess is 446th. I think this is about all-time ratings. So all, what basically what happens is, and this isn't like uh, some some forum where you have to pay 10 bucks to post. This is something that anyone can just set up an account, I think, without any difficulty. And you can go through and you can rank a game. And there's uh, there's hotness, which I don't know whether it's based upon people, like how many clicks a game is getting or how many mentions a game is getting. I'm not sure what the story is with that or how many ratings is. But as far as I can tell, the rating system is entirely... So Gloomhaven is number one because um, if you were to look at the the average distribution of votes, I think, for the game, everyone's just going to log in, hit 10, yep. and go down. And that's one of the flaws of having number rating systems like this because most people don't realize... There, there's like three numbers for most people. <laughs> 10, 5, and, and 0, or 1, or whatever. It's kind of funny with board games because you think about a movie, all the ratings are front-loaded. They come, bam, right at the beginning, yeah. uh, pre-release, most all of, the most critics of them, yeah. go... And all the critic ratings are already there by the time a movie comes out. Yeah. Then the people's ratings come in, and yeah. they kind of trickle in. And unless something's a cult classic, that's it. Who's going to go now watch Blade Runner and, and review it? I, well, do you mean like who's going to – who would bother reviewing it at this point? Or Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's been – it's. I, I think it depends, again, on what, what is the reviewer trying to accomplish in this case. Is Are they setting out to, like, uh, are they under the impression that people haven't seen this film and they're going to, like, oh, Joel's review of Blade Runner that came out six months I ago? I suppose, is, yeah, you could say somebody could come in with a new take. I think that's all that, that at least I'll give the benefit of the doubt to somebody that they're not going to have such an ego that they think that, <laughs> A, nobody's seen this <laughs> movie yet, until or B, that this is going to sway them in some way, but... When you see these reviews, like I, I love reviews on Board Game Geek because there's usually a bunch. If a game is noteworthy, there's going to be a bunch of reviews of different people. I don't like watching video reviews, so that discounts a lot of them. When you click on some of these things, there's these reviewers that you start to get a feel for. Like there's there's this guy there, uh, he it's called The Purge or something like that, where he has so many games and he goes through and he reviews them all, and then his final verdict is whether he keeps it 
uh, is it like a definite keep on a shelf? Is it maybe or is it a toss? And so he's simplifying. It's kind of a pass fail. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is that when you? It's like why Netflix should have gotten away with the star rating, not because people were making fun of Amy Schumer for bad special. They should get rid of it because it's a pointless rating of stars. Because what what does three stars mean? Is it just is, me or does everything have five stars? On Netflix, yeah, everything that comes up is suggested. I was watching, anyway. I was watching New Girl, and it's like five <laughs> stars. Who's who's rating these episodes? But Star Trek has some of these episodes rated for two stars. Thinking, so Star Trek, I can understand because people are more people, critical. You know, people, <laughs> they people have like, expectations. Yeah, people like Star Trek. I like watched Star Trek. an episode, by the way, and I gotta say that's a garbage show. Star Trek, <laughs> it's awful. Oh my god, you <laughs> the uh, new Star Trek was so bad. Oh, Discovery. Yeah. Oh man, it's. Just you can't even watch it as as uh, this could be an entire episode of, of Android's Dungeon to be honest. It's I've gotten over my initial hate of Discovery. Now at this point, it's it's like the, what are the stages of death? It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, you're, I'm an acceptance. You're an acceptance. I was uh, I just jumped into episode ten, so oh. I, I can't exactly say that I know anything. And if you're listening to the show, uh, don't take my word for it. No, on take his word anything for it. related to Star Trek because I am completely clueless. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe talk to Jack. Uh, don't uh, send us any angry tweets or do send no i appreciate i just want proof our, of life what's our uh plug check Jack? it yeah so if you can look us up on if you type here's the thing if you type in android dungeon radio or something like that in instagram or twitter you'll you'll it'll show up it has a little simpsons avatar which is from a great episode where uh the simpsons rent out the flanders's cottage and they're playing this board game and uh it's a dating game <laughs> and homer <laughs> gets the the quarterback and Bardar opens the door, and it's uh, the nerd. <laughs> no! <laughs> and Homer says, you got the dud. <laughs> and then he's, and it looks like Milhouse, so he says, it looks like you, nerd. <laughs> it's just So I, I explained the joke about the picture. <laughs> it's now <boring>. selling. <laughs> Android's Dungeon exclusive. Yeah. You heard that uh, Elon Musk has sold out of his flamethrowers? This is. Can you explain this to me? Because I don't understand. I know I saw something um, on Twitter where you saw zombies or something, and then. Well, my main concern was, uh, you're selling a flamethrower. That sounds like a weapon. Like, don't you need to sell this to licensed people? And apparently, if there's a loophole where nobody has bothered trying to regulate flamethrowers because uh, no one's really thought about people buying them for fun. Well, it's like, how do you how do you define what a flamethrower is? Like, if I've got a welding torch, is that considered a flamethrower and I'm, I'm now required to, like, have weapons training? Or that's it's a the thing. It does look a little bit like a, just a long lighter. Yeah, that's you know, basically, you can make a flamethrower with a hard. super soaker. I don't endorse that. Please okay. do not take this as an endorsement. Don't look that up on YouTube. Uh, or do. Or, and then you, and you've got, like, regular blow torches sitting around the house, too. Yep. It's, there's, there's... I'm not saying you can't, because you can make a firearm. I mean, in your, I want uh, a creme brulee, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I need. All right. Well, I actually what, do have a, a little uh, When was the last time you used that? Torch. I don't even have fuel for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I'm nice there. to know you have it, <laughs> Yeah. Right? I'm ready. Yeah. Once I learn how to make Just creme brulee. Door. I think it's so easy. Get down on the ground. Make me a creme brulee. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so I did I did a little bit of research, and the official law in California and a couple other states where it's actually regulated says if the flame is less than 10 feet long, you don't need a license. <laughs> 10 feet. 10 feet. <laughs> I've got nine Seven foot long feet. flame. Perfect. That's cool. You know, it'll just <laughs> give it to your kid for Christmas. <laughs> I'm trying to, and now I'm thinking about, because I'm about... Uh, 
I'm about the height. A bit, I'd say less than. So I'm about six, six three, six four. So if you have a flame as long as me, and if and a bit longer, you're a okay, <laughs> which yeah, is fine. You're set. That's that's not like if you're and clearing out foxholes in Japan. Somebody but, at our work has purchased one, which is ridiculous. That's is, yeah. does it come from the states? And he said, "I'll show you guys when it gets here." Does it come from the states? Yeah. He's not getting this. <laughs> that is not making its way across the border. Apparently, it's not illegal in Canada, but it's another one of those things where uh, the control board, whatever it is, and they've already made a statement basically saying, we don't have any laws about this, but they're coming. <laughs> I I bought this off of, uh, this is one of the only non-video game uh, slash board game Kickstarter things I ever bought was the Bug the bug Assault uh, S-A-L-T oh, yeah. gun. And it's this little, it's like a plastic shotgun that you load salt into. And uh, you, you pump the pump the shotgun and you shoot flies with it and it stuns them. And then you can do whatever you want with them. It is, I'd give it a, a, a hard C as far as entertaining purposes go. And it didn't really work. Most of the fly, maybe our Canadian flies are much more, much hardier than Robust, the California. Yeah. <laughs> Worse to the winters. Um, and even these had some trouble getting across the border, I imagine. Huh. There, were, there were a lot of issues during the Kickstarter saying these were refused sh- uh, shipment at the border. Now, could be because he didn't, like, dot his I's and cross his T's and say, it's not a real gun, by the way, but, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure um, Musk and his friends have done their research. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they found out that technically they are able to do this, and they have already charged people oh, on their cards. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they got the money. Yeah, we just have to worry about the recalls, but... Um, this guy is planning on using it at work, and uh, you know our our friend uh, Josh Asso has already made a post. Uh, Health and safety committee, stay right where you are. <laughs> We're coming for you. <laughs> Yeah, just, uh, just everyone pay attention to it. You can probably figure out who, where this fellow works based on the fact if a building burns down right after these things enter the country, then you can... <laughs> yeah. If you see flames, it's because some idiot bought one of Elon Musk's flamethrowers. It's definitely not just because it's it's gasoline with a trigger and a Talk about the cult there. of the new. This boring company so hot right now. Uh, again, yeah, <laughs> I, I try to stay away from these 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 giant weird fad internet things, but I, I don't get it, Joel. I, help me understand. <laughs> Am I wrong, or, or is it the kids? <laughs> You're wrong. Oh. Eat Tide Pods. <laughs> help. 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 A guy at work said, uh, "Oh, you're a millennial. You must be eating those Tide Pods, eh?" How old was this person? Out of curiosity. Oh, it's Rob. Oh, <laughs> late forties. Which is another meme that I missed, and I think this is a problem with. I spent all my time in, uh, I'll say it, in weirder places on the internet, and I lose <laughs> track of what, what, what people are up to. I want to hear tide more. Pods. I know you were talking about it last time, uh, but. It, didn't get recorded um this forum that you're on where'd you find it it's something i don't want to talk too much about it but i've been it's It's hidden it's not hidden it's anyone can do it with a credit card i didn't buy it a friend bought it for me it's um it's it's i'll say it it's a something awful forums it's uh ostensibly a comedy website but it's not funny at all and it's been around for a while started as an offshoot of quake quake world or something like that most of these websites have some weird connection to online gaming communities and then it got big at one point, and then the uh, owner of the website, who uh, had a brilliant idea, is to make people char- charge people money to post on the website, and uh, dummies did. And uh, my friend bought me an account because he was on there at one point, and um, it, it is a definition of your mileage may vary. There's total garbage all over the place on it, but there are a couple of good spots, and there are some people who are really involved in subcultures, and that's why 
the this the board game part. Anyone can look at it to yeah. be honest. You so can't you, post it. So it has it nothing your section has nothing to do with comedy, but they've branched out this forum into a whole bunch of different Well it's kinda like how okay, so you can go you subreddits. Can, yeah, basically. It's it's subreddit is far more democratic. You don't need to pay ten bucks to post on Reddit, which is already a gigantic like it makes it a million times better than SA and, and People from SA Goons have this gigantic chip on their shoulder because a lot of pop, more popular websites started as offshoots of um, of SA. Like 4chan, for example. Moot used to post yeah. on SA, and he was involved in it. And he started his own website after that, and it became uh, way, way more infamous than SA will ever do. And, uh, and that, that's its own story. Um, there are several other projects that kind of had their origins on there. Notch used to post on SA, I think, as well. But I think he had a more big, deeper connection to 4chan. But you can you can just pull these trees down to a lot of SA. And a lot of the problems on the Internet, you can tree down yeah. to SA as well. But So, and this is where you – is this I can't – I'm getting it all mixed up now. But is this is where you saw that review of Charterstone? That's where I saw it, like probably about six different reviews of Charterstone. So, and yeah. they're not big fans. There's, I'd say, there's one poster there who's a who seems oddly, oddly a, a fan of the, sh- the the game versus some other people. Where nobody hates it. Let's just say that it's no mm-hmm. Seafall. Somebody posted, by the way, <laughs> uh, all the spoilers for Seafall, and I thought I'm never playing this game. I read them all. Yep. And Was I'll be honest right about the end. We yeah, won't absolutely. Say what it is, yeah, yeah. But. You were right. Absolutely, but. The story didn't it didn't bug me that much. I'm reading this. I'm going, I don't see anything offensive about anything I've read here. In fact, I can see moments where I imagine myself being really excited about these twists and turns. It's just the gameplay stunk. Apparently, yep. it was just boring as hell and dry and pointless. So you started with these great legacy elements. You started with these great ideas of what to do with the game. And then you're like, oh, damn, I forgot the game. And it's yeah. just like, <laughs> do, you th- th- do you think that's... There? Uh, pulling it back to this cult of the new, do you think the fact that legacy is so cool and anything with legacy on it is selling like hotcakes is starting to uh, be detrimental to games where it's like, we need a legacy game now, and they're pumping it out, and maybe Seafall's an example of that? I don't think, not necessarily. How many legacy games can you think of right now? How many are well, there? Maybe eight. Eight's more than I would be able to do. Charterstone, uh, Seafall, uh, Risk Legacy, Pandemic Legacy... Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven, I feel, is like even Mice and Mystics, it. I think, is a... No, not that I'm aware of. Um, okay, I got to uh, five. So the bottom <laughs> line, what I'm trying to get at is not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just meaning more. It's exit. not... <laughs> exit? <laughs> like the games? The exit rooms? The one-time exit. The one we talked about at the beginning of today. Yes, today. Not uh, yesterday at all. Yeah. Uh, exit, I, I guess you could say legacy. That's really pushing it. But all I'm trying to say is that for a concept that seems to be doing so well and even just like if you're the most cynical man in the world it's this this greedy business going what am I gonna do to make money and then <laughs> you look at Board Game Geek and say oh Pandemic Legacy Gloomhaven what's that and then you go and copy it even for all that <laughs> stuff there's nothing there there's really Seafalls as close as you get and I would not call that cynical I just call it bad it's, yeah. it's just and it's a flop because I think the man who did it I, I forget his name Tom Lehman um I, I, I are, I'm screwing it up. If, if Tom Lee is not the person, I apologize. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> uh, but it's more a case of I'm just surprised more people haven't done it yet. And I think there's a, a betrayal at um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I think that's a legacy game now, isn't the it? The D&D Baldur's Gate. D&D's Baldur's Gate. Isn't that the is that Baldur's a legacy Betrayal at Baldur's Gate or something like that. But Baldur's Gate is a classic D&D game from yeah. way back. And it's a great video game, by the way. I, would, I never played it, but I've, I'm more than willing to concede that everyone who played it loved it. It's BioWare one of those you've got to spend Isle. hours with pen and paper trying Did to solve you? things. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, that's when, again, that's when people cared about games. 
Yes. It's they're yeah. still chasing because now you look at let's compare Baldur's Gate with I don't know, Dragon Age, Dragon Age Inquisition. You go from a game that required you to think and plan things and have great party composition, and have lots of strategy to it's a s- weird MMO that happens to be single player and it has terrible writing and awful characters that you don't care about. It's just yeah. how do you how do you regress so much? 